Hi, and welcome to Screens in Focus podcast, where we share and connect as we spotlight our favorite shows and movies. I'm Brittany. I'm Diana. And this is episode 11. Today, we'll be reviewing season three, episodes three and four of The Walking Dead with the lens of mercy. Before we dive in, how are you doing today, Brittany? I'm doing well. I think spring is beautiful, but my allergies don't agree. So sorry if I sound nasally today. (laughs) Well, same with me. But it is a beautiful day and we can hear the birds chirping right now. It's nice and sunny. (laughs) But first, a recap. Season 3, Episode 3, Walk With Me. This entire episode is about Andrea Michonne, the governor, and Woodbury. That means no Rick at all. Boo! (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, we are shown where that helicopter is from. It crashes, and the governor and his men find it and knife the guys who have died. Merle finds Andrea and Michonne hiding in the bushes who have seen all of this and take them back to Woodbury. Andrea updates Merle on their last group, and she tells him that she was left behind, too. He obviously asks about his brother, Daryl, and she reminds him that she hasn't seen that group in about seven to eight months. The military guy that Woodbury saved tells the governor about the rest of his group and the location so that he can get back to them. Side note, I wish everyone on the show wore name tags so I wouldn't have to give them nicknames. (laughs) (laughs) So the governor goes there and kills all the military dude's friends! He takes their supplies. He then tells Woodbury that the military guy's friends were all eaten by walkers and thanks them for their sacrifice. The episode ends with the governor in his secret room of fish tanks filled with zombies and it's disgusting. Season 3, Episode 4, Killer Within. Someone is leading walkers into the prison as the group is trying to clear the yards. Axel and Oscar meet up with the group and ask to join Rick, but Rick basically tells them no, a deal is a deal. Meanwhile, Andrea and Michonne discuss leaving Woodbury as Andrea contemplates staying while Michonne will follow her gut and leave. Beth and Lori help Herschel outside to the yard with his new crutches, and the group is in good spirits. Rick and Lori share a smile from across the yard right before all hell breaks loose. Walkers swarm the area and one bites T-Dog, and he sacrifices himself to save Carol. Herschel and Beth make it to a safe area, and Maggie, Lori, and Carl make it into the prison. Rick and the others race to get to the group, but the alarm starts to blare, drawing more walkers toward the prison. Axel and Oscar lead Rick and Daryl to the generator room where they find Andrew, who was thought to be dead. A fight ensues, and Oscar picks up Rick's gun and ends up shooting Andrew. Lori goes into labor and pleads with Maggie to do a C-section to save the baby. She knows she will die and tells Carl all the things that a mother should say to her son. The baby is born. Lori dies. Carl shoots his mother in the head so she won't reanimate. The group regroups in the courtyard, not sure where Carol is, and Maggie and Carl emerge with a baby, and Rick doesn't see Lori and sobs in agony. Okay, Brittany, where did you see the theme of mercy? I saw it. Well, quick side note, Diana just told me that it's not military dudes, it's National Guard. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go. I saw it it with the National Guard. So they actually show the governor mercy when he shows up, because if you think about it, they have all the power in that moment. But he deceives their trust right away. 
He also lies about what happened and publicly claims gratitude for their sacrifice, air quotes. It's reminiscent to me of what could go on in real life when it comes to, like, our Navy, Army, whatever. It reminds me of that movie that you told us about a couple weeks ago with the guy who found out about his son not really dying. Oh, yes, the, yes. In the, the way they said yeah, he did. exactly. Yeah. So I feel like sometimes anything that is government-affiliated can feel as if we're not being told the whole truth. Yes. And I understand why, because there can absolutely be negative repercussions to telling the full story to the wide masses of yeah. America. Mm-hmm. And I also get that in certain situations, sometimes you can never fully understand something unless you were physically there. However, it's just interesting how an act of mercy can be interpreted differently, again, dependent on who's telling the story. So I'm sure the governor really believes he's being merciful in some of these acts, but I also think his mercy and a lot of people's merciful acts are conditional, while some people simply show mercy unconditionally because that's what their moral compass tells them to do. Where did you see mercy in these episodes? I saw it with Andrea. Um, She shows mercy and compassion toward Merle. She tells him that Daryl and Rick went back to look for him when he was chained to the roof. She talks about how Daryl really stepped up and helped at the farm and tells Merle where the location of the farm is so that he can go look for him. I think Andrea shares this information because she lost her sister and knows how important it is to find a family member. We've talked about how we would feel if we were ever in this situation and finding our family would be the most important thing. So this information is vital and Merle wants to go find his brother. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that ties into my next point, which is just an extension of the governor's idea of mercy. So he says, go put a merciful end to that young man's days when he's basically telling them to knife the people who have died. And he is the one to tell Michonne and Andrea that we all become walkers. So that's why they knife people after they die. He feels that this is showing the dead mercy. He also shows mercy to Merle by saving him and adding him as one of his trusted confidants of Woodbury. And I wonder how many people feel that the governor showed them mercy by either saving them or simply giving them a chance to be part of this community. It's small, 73 people, but it's a promising alternative compared to the unsure, isolated, decomposing world beyond their walls. He even reminds Merle of this mercy when Merle wants to go looking for Daryl. So the governor says, this place would fall apart without you, which I'm not sure the governor 100% believes. Maybe he does really rely on him, but he chose to say this at a very convenient time. He almost uses mercy and guilt as devices to keep people in Woodbury. I don't think the governor's mercy is genuine at all. He has ulterior motives, and he makes Woodbury seem like a cult, as if no one is allowed to leave. It's kind of a sombering idea to me that people use mercy and guilt together when helping others and reminding those they have aided of this later on. It's as if people like the governor keep a tally of all they've done for someone in order to ensure that they can use it against them to work a situation in their favor later. I know that not everyone is like this, but I think the reason why the earlier seasons were more relatable to me is because the villains were people you could easily imagine in real life. I'm sure there are plenty of people who do this regularly without a zombie apocalypse. (laughs) They just collect merciful acts toward others, like tokens, and then they cash them in when they need it. That's why sometimes people don't accept assistance from certain people or groups of people because they know it comes with strings attached. A price, if you will. And they'd rather not deal with the added stress and having to feel as if they owe someone. 
I saw the theme when Oscar shows Rick mercy. He had the power when he was pointing the gun at Rick and then slowly moves it away from him and points it at Andrew and kills him. This was even though the group debated about what to do with him and Axel. After they pleaded to join the group and Rick told them the deal was non-negotiable and was going to send them away with a week's worth of supplies. What is interesting is that in the previous episode, Rick pointed a gun at Oscar and Oscar showed no fear and said, I've never begged for my life and I'm not going to start now. Do what you got to do. And Rick spares his life. I think Oscar respects Rick as the leader of this group and wants to be a part of it. And so this was the first step in showing his loyalty to them. What else did you notice in these episodes, Brittany? It's mostly things that I've noticed from all the Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead and comics and video games, everything associated with it. I've noticed all the names that zombies have been given except zombies. <laughs> so awesome. I think it's really cool. So I've heard of the past, walkers, roamers, geeks, lame brains, biters, floaters, cold bodies, dead ones, lurkers, mm. monsters, rotters, skin eaters, empties, deadies, infected. It's really cool. And it reminds me of fairy tales. I took a class on fairy tales in college. And something that was very interesting was that the same stories would pop up in different geographical areas. However, they always had slight variations in the discourse or the plot details, like Hansel and Gretel, Cinderella and Bluebeard. The premise was the same, but sometimes they had different names for things. So I just thought that was really cool. And it makes me think of originality and how some stories or terms can go viral, but we all have our own, our own way of narrating them or saying them. So I just thought that was really cool. We have to talk about Lori and her death. I loved what she said to Carl. She tells him he is so smart, so brave, and that she loves him and she doesn't want this world to spoil him. She tells him, if it doesn't feel right, it isn't. You are so good, my sweet boy. Best thing I ever did. I love you, my sweet boy. And then they cry in each other's arms. So hard to try and say everything you want to say in just a few minutes. I have written letters to my boys when I have traveled just in case something happens to me and I want them to know how I feel, how proud I am of them and what my wishes are for them, which is what Lori told Carl. I cried like usual because I'm a parent and I know how much I love my boys. And also because I know that Carl reiterates this sentiment to Judith about surviving this world in the current episode. Yes. And I really loved that scene. I was crying like a baby too. And mm -hmm. I, I'm not a parent. I'm a dog mom, which is not the real thing. <laughs> but I am a child and, you know, I love my mom very much. So just watching that and seeing Carl having to do that was really touching to me. And he's just so strong. And I don't know how he didn't go crazy and become, I don't know, really messed up. He actually just keeps such a good soul. So I just really felt for him in that moment. And mm -hmm. I thought that Lori said just such beautiful things to him. And I think she was so hard on herself as a mother. So yeah, yeah. most mothers are. I know. <laughs> it's a thankless job, but yeah. you're all amazing. <laughs> just remember that. Okay. <laughs> but I want to talk about T-Dog too. He dies way too soon for me. We didn't even have a chance to engage with him or absorb any information about him. I would have loved to learn about how he met up with their group any personal anecdote or story from him, maybe even seen him develop a romantic relationship. In the comics, him and Carol actually hook up. Isn't that funny? Oh, yeah, I didn't know that. Okay. <laughs> even though he was bit, 
and we all knew he was going to die eventually, he sped up his death in order to save Carol. And I really appreciate this. It was so heroic, so selfless, and he didn't even have to contemplate it. T-Dog's mind automatically went to saving his friend. When he could have tried to escape with her and die later, like in a quicker, more peaceful way, And I just want to take a moment to show gratitude to him because I don't know that I would have conducted myself in the same way. I also think that we weren't really given any time to mourn him because, you know, Lori dies shortly after. And to be frank, Lori's death definitely overshadows him Yeah, in in an instant. And I know, of course, she deserves that because she's a main character and we got to know her more. But I just feel like T-Dog deserved better from the writers. (laughs) That's all. I love The Walking Dead, but I noticed I was a little bored with the Walk With Me episode, mostly because it dealt with Woodbury and the governor. I know it's important to find out about the governor and how cutthroat he can be, and it was shocking to see him throw up his surrender flag just to shoot all the National Guard and take their weapons and supplies, but... I really love seeing Rick in the group, so I couldn't wait to get back to them and see all their characters and what was happening at the prison. Now, in the Killer Within episode, I did appreciate how Michonne notices the blood and bullet holes in the National Guard's vehicles and brings it up to the governor, and he avoids answering her, of course. And I love that she is following her gut and refuses to stay. Okay, so now we are at the Why We Love Rick segment. And Brittany, why do you love Rick? I love that even though they saw T-Dog's body being eaten by walkers and they think that Carol didn't make it either, Rick always maintains hope for Lori and Carl. He says, that doesn't mean they didn't make it. We're going back. It's his natural instinct. And I know this moment is cut short because he then hears Judith's soft baby cries, but he is just very quick to have faith when it comes to his family. So I really appreciate that. Why do you love Rick? I love Rick because he ran so fast to get to his family when all the walkers first came upon them. I mean, he ran so fast and I love his urgency. His reaction to Lori's death really moved me when I first saw it and when I saw it again. It was so raw and so real. He yells no and drops down to his knees. I love Andrew Lincoln as Rick Grimes and I love that Rick loves so hard. I was so happy that Rick and Lori had that moment before all hell broke loose. He looked at Lori from afar and smiled at her, and she smiled back. It was small, but it was significant. Okay, so let's discuss what we're currently watching. What are you currently watching, Brittany? I am watching, well, I watched The Walking Dead, which we should talk about. So season eight, episode 16, Wrath, which is the season finale. And I know there's a lot of other stuff going on, but I'm just going to talk about Maggie and Daryl and Jesus for a bit. So here's the thing. Maggie is upset with Rick because all of a sudden he gets to decide which enemy lives or dies. My thing is, why are none of the savior soldiers put in prison instead? If they want a society, why not put a jury together and stand trial for these people? This reminds me of the Nazis. Even though Hitler was the brains for the operation, those soldiers still committed genocide. The statement, I was just following orders, is so (laughs) problematic. Anyway, they have dealt with a few villains this far, and even in earlier episodes, we've seen Rick kill people in order to keep his group safe. I totally understand and agree with what he's trying to do. Get back to a real society. 
be civilized rather than all-out war. That is good. It's what Carl wanted for them. I totally agree. And I see why they think putting Negan in jail is fair. But Maggie feels wronged because everyone else had their closure. Michonne got to kill the governor. The group got to kill the Terminus group. Daryl got to kill Don, the police officer who killed Beth. They get rid of the wolves group. And now the most sadistic villain they experience, and you could argue the one who has killed the people they love in the cruelest way imaginable, they're granting mercy upon him by letting him live rather than execute him. Now, they decide to hold people in jail cells when you could argue Negan deserves death the most. Though we find that vengeance doesn't always mean closure, for Maggie, she thinks it does. She's heartbroken. It's only been weeks since Glenn has died. In pre-apocalyptic world, we all, we've seen people mourn for way longer. Maggie has always followed Rick and supported him. She has been an advocate for him and his decisions from day one. Now she feels betrayed and blindsided by Rick's actions. She wanted vengeance and sure she wants a stable society and she's not the only one who's lost someone. I know that. Rick has lost Carl, Lori, Blondie girlfriend, <laughs> lots of his friends, including Glenn and Abraham. But I think once again, it's the lack of communication from Rick that is deceitful to Maggie. He's got to work on this. If he at least had brought up that he didn't plan to kill Negan to her and he just explained it, let it saturate enough for her to get on board, it could have been a different story. But sometimes Rick makes executive decisions and it frustrates the people around him. They're left feeling powerless and as if what they want and their feelings aren't important. Maybe they aren't compared to the bigger picture, but I can't sit here and blame Maggie for feeling this way and plotting against Rick. Actually, you're gonna hate me for saying this, but I think this is what the show needs. It needs to stop focusing on villains and focusing on the conflict within the main characters. Go into real people again. That's what other shows do very well. Showcasing the problems between people and showing you that everyone has flaws and we all have good and bad in us. It's unrealistic that everyone agrees with the leader's decisions all the time and even amongst the followers. It's just, it's unrealistic that there are not deeper problems than just who killed who. Look at This Is Us, like One Tree Hill, something I'm rewatching. Lost, How to Get Away with Murder. It's always deeper. So I'm actually excited to see this unfold in season nine. And that means that Lauren Cohen is for sure staying on, right? Like that's good because then they could expand her story. Yeah. It makes me wonder. It really depends on what her decision is right. at this point. So we'll totally. see. So I love this episode. And again, I cried. Rick and Carl as a little boy at the beginning was a perfect beginning and a perfect end to the episode with Rick writing a letter to his son and thanking him. I also think I really like Sadiq. Uh, Rick asks him how it happened, meaning Carl's death. And when Sadiq explained, tears just came down my face. Wow. I felt there was so much purpose in what Carl did in helping him and that Rick should be so proud of his son. And I hope he saw it the way I took it. And I think with how things played out, he did. I'm so relieved and happy that Eugene did what I thought he was going to do all along. But last episode, I doubted it. And um, I hoped he wouldn't let his friends down. And ultimately, he didn't. It's about time the Saviors and Negan were brought down. I couldn't see the finale happening any other way. I liked Father Gabriel in this and Dwight too. And I hope Dwight isn't gone for good. 
really super worried about Maggie and Daryl and their stance on Rick leaving Negan alive. I know Maggie wants revenge, but she should realize that Glenn wouldn't want it any other way. And I don't understand how Jesus can be on this council since he is so pro-peace and community. It's just not like him. Also, it seems like they are plotting against Rick, and I don't like it. Not at all. Why are they not just talking or just go to Negan and kill him themselves? I don't know. All I know is that I don't like it. Not at all. Because I like everybody, and it somehow just uh, gives me a pit in my stomach. So... I know that it's probably good that it gives me a pit in my stomach because you're right. It's bringing it back to people having conflicts with each other. So it probably is good for the show. But I just know when I initially saw it, I didn't like it. It's because you feeling. love you love everybody. So you don't want this between them. Right. But so then that gives you something interesting to have them work out next season. Yes, like I don't see I them killing each other. But you never, th- yeah, I mean, I'm scared. That's why I'm saying right. I'm scared because I right. felt like Maggie was just so like plotting. Mm-hmm. And that's the part that scared me. Right. So, I mean, I get it. I see it both ways. Yeah. Totally. I'm yeah. just like, hopefully they, it helps them all work on their communication as a group. So hopefully that's where it takes them. We'll see. We'll see. Let's also talk about Fear the Walking Dead, which had the season four premiere. Yes. What's your story? And I like this. It's a whole different vibe from previous seasons. I also liked the new characters so much, including Morgan, of course, that I found myself annoyed with the old characters once they showed up at the end. (laughs) (laughs) I also can't wait for the lady with the white pistol to show up. Why would they introduce John's separated love interest? Is her name Laura? or Linda? I forget. If she wasn't going to pop up one day. I think that's clever. I really like the new characters too, both of them. Uh, John is a crack up telling Morgan his full name and says his last name is Dory, like the fish, but with an I-E and not a Y. I love his cowboy ways and that he seems to be Morgan's new friend, even though Morgan doesn't want a new friend. I also liked Al, Althea, She's a journalist and wants to know everyone's story. And after not getting the answer she wants from Oregon, she asks for one truth. And he says, I lose people and then I lose myself. I really like this first episode. So I'm really looking forward to this season of Fear. I think it'll be good. What else are you watching, Brittany? So I am watching the TV show Life. It's on Hulu. And this man was wrongfully convicted of a murder, and then new DNA evidence comes out exonerating him, and I think he spent over 10 years in prison for it already. And then he continues to search for the real killer while getting his job back at the LAPD. And fun fact, Garrett Dillahunt, the guy who plays John in Fear the Walking Dead, was actually a guest star on this most recent episode I watched. So I just thought it was funny. And then for movies, I watched all on Netflix again, Orbiter 9. It is a Spanish science fiction romantic drama. And it totally got me. Like, I wasn't expecting what was going to happen that happened. I'm really into science fiction and international films right now, I'm noticing. (laughs) I also watched I Am Not an Easy Man, and it's 
a French comedy about a chauvinistic man who hits his head and then wakes up in a world where females are the dominant gender and their roles are totally switched. Meaning they're objectifying him and they behave towards him in the way that so many women are treated. It's really delightfully funny and it brings up important questions about how inappropriately women are talked to, looked at, everything. So I I thought it was funny. I also watched Secret in Their Eyes. Have you ever seen this? I have. Okay. Yeah. So Chiwetel Ejiofor, I'm saying that wrong probably. Side note, he like acted him. in 12 Years a Slave with Garrett Dillahunt. Again! See? He popped up again! <laughs> um, so we thought that was funny, but it also has Julia Roberts, Nicole Kidman. They also star in this. So 18-year-old daughter of an investigator for the LADA's office is found raped and murdered and... Though this movie didn't receive that great of reviews, I enjoyed it for the performances. I did too. And really conveys the idea that sometimes the justice, police, whatever systems are not enough and they fail victims' families. So sometimes the closure you need is finding vengeance yourself. And I just, there was this one part where Julia Roberts' character, she says, this just feels impossible. And I totally broke down crying. Like it was just such a quick moment, but I was like, wow, she's such a good actress. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I watched the tie-in. I know you watched this too. Mm -hmm. Wow, this got bad reviews. I wish I had known that going in, but oh well. (laughs) Taylor Schilling from Orange and the New Black and Sam Worthington from Avatar are in this, and it's set in 2048, where overpopulation is a huge problem, and scientists are experimenting ways to help humans survive on Titan, which I think is a moon that can sustain human life. They, I think they could have done a lot more with the story. So I was disappointed, but I liked the initial premise and Taylor Schilling was the best part of this, really. Lastly, I watched Kodachrome. So Jason Sudeikis stars in this and he is the man who is estranged from his father. And his father asks him to drive him across the country to the last photo studio that develops Kodachrome prints because that store is closing soon. And he found an old role that he just never developed. So I was pleasantly surprised by it. And I think anyone with the family can relate to it because no families are perfect. We all drive each other crazy at one time or another. So it was it was touching. What are you watching? I am continuing to watch American Idol. I love the duets. I am a fan all of a sudden of Alan Stone was already looking for tickets to his tour. That's how impressed I was with him. Anyways, um, I also watched My Next Guest Needs No Introduction with David Letterman and his interview with Jay-Z. I loved how honest they both were. They talked about Jay-Z selling crack at 16 and making like 2,000 a day, how music pulled him out of that life, about the N-word, the current president, about their indiscretions. It was very real and truthful, which drew me in, and I really, really liked it a lot. I also went and saw, I went to the movies and I saw The Quiet Place. It is directed by uh, John Krasinski, who also co-wrote and plays the father in this film. I really enjoyed it. It's about a family having to live life in silence to avoid creatures who hunt by sound. I never cry in horror films, but I did with this one. The relationships between parent and child and sibling to sibling really draws you in. Emily Blunt, who is married to John in real life, plays the mother, and she becomes pregnant and has to give birth in silence, which is crazy. (laughs) Also, the young actress who plays the daughter is deaf herself, and she plays deaf in the movie. She did an incredible job. They all did. It is a really good movie, and I would recommend it. 
I too saw The Titan on Netflix and um, I thought Taylor Schilling kept it interesting and she was my favorite part. I also watch The Survivalist. It's a time of starvation and a man lives alone in a small cabin growing crops, protecting them to survive. A woman and her daughter show up desperate for shelter and the mother offers up her daughter in exchange for the room and board. What? Um, I mean, the daughter's, you know, is going along with it. Um, <laughs> after a day or two, the women plot to get rid of him. But things abruptly change when an intruder shows up. Um, it's a movie about the lengths you will go to survive. There's not a lot of dialogue. It's a minimalistic movie, which felt real and eerie. And just briefly, I watched, which we were discussing, I briefly watched Blast from the Past. It was on TV. Mm. It's a 1999 romantic comedy with Brendan Fraser, Alicia Silverstone, Christopher Walken, and Sissy Spacek, who play the mom and dad. And I was trying to go to sleep, but it was on TV, and I couldn't because I wanted to see the movie again. I mean, Brendan's character has lived underground in this bomb shelter with his family his whole life. Because his parents thought the world was bomb, so he only knows pop culture from the 50s. (laughs) So his dad is sick, and the doors have opened after 35 years, so his mother sends him off to get supplies and find a girl to marry, (laughs) and the mother hopes he will find a non-mutant girl. It's 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 nothing extraordinary, but it's a light and fun film just to watch. But was what was interesting because you noticed the type of movies you were watching. I noticed mine were all apocalyptic mm-hmm. or some sort of survival movie. Mm-hmm. All of them. I mean, one Walking Dead yeah. and the you know and Fear the Walking Dead and um, the Quiet Place and then Titan and Survivalist and even Blast from the Past. So mm-hmm. it all has to do with, you know, what you will do to survive if the world, right? you know, in the future, mm-hmm. how the world cool. is. So I thought that was interesting in itself. Yeah. Okay. So now we are at and the award goes to segment. So Brittany, who does your award go to? My award goes to Michonne. Andrea questions Michonne's plans for them for when they leave Woodbury, and she says, all this because your gut is telling you the governor is a bad guy, or something like that. And Michonne claps back, my gut has kept us alive this long. I understand why Andrea would want to stay in Woodbury, and I also understand why a life with Michonne wouldn't be enough for her, but Michonne is a badass. She's super perceptive and trustworthy. Andrea needs to recognize this more. She does. What was your favorite part, moment, or quote? My award goes to Carl for being so brave. When he first sees the walkers, he doesn't hesitate. He just starts shooting them. And then he, Maggie, and Lori go into the prison to get away from the walkers, but are still being chased. And Lori begins labor, and he is the one to find the room to keep his mom and Maggie safe. Then he tells her, Mom, keep your eyes open. Basically saying, Mom, stay with me. Then after she gives birth and is passed out, Maggie says, let's go. And he says, I can't leave her like this. She will turn. He holds his gun by his side and remembers what his dad said about never being prepared when someone dies. He hugs her, says goodbye, and then we hear a shot. He walks past Maggie and the baby without emotion. Such a hard thing for a kid to go through, but he handled it so maturely. 
That's our show. Thanks for tuning in. We are grateful you tuned in and we hope we said something today that resonated with you and gave you a chuckle, some happiness, some positivity or inspiration. Please subscribe to our podcast and tell a friend. We would love more members of our TV club. Rate and review the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. We need your feedback. We'll be uploading new episodes every Tuesday. Next show will be on season three, episodes five and six. You can find our blog at the link listed in our description. See you next time. Bye.